Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name's Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, we have an interview update with Christy. Christy's been on the show, I think this could be her fourth or fifth appearance. She has been working on her site for a couple years, and she recently hit a new milestone in earnings, which exceeded my expectations and hers as well. I'm excited to be bringing more content from Christy as well. We kind of talk about that, but essentially we're working on a case study together where I'm coaching her and she wants to double her revenue in 2021. So we're going to be documenting that over at Niche Site Project. She gives us kind of a rundown of 2020 overall with this interview. After the interview, I'll answer a few questions that were sent in and ramble on about some unrelated items as I do. This episode is brought to you by Ezoic. Ezoic is a Google certified partner and they've recently rolled out their new site speed accelerator. Basically, it speeds up your your site. It makes it load faster and you really see a huge improvement most of the time with the Google PageSpeed Insight score. Now, if you already have a high Page Insight score, then it's not going to go up as much. But I had experience with uh, one of my sites. Basically, it went from the high 20s, low 30s to the high 90s just by implementing the Site Speed Accelerator. Now, a few people have asked me about using Ezoic and basically using their DNS. The best way you can use the Site Speed Accelerator and Ezoic in general is to use their DNS. And the reason why is you're able to use their caching and their CDN. That's a content delivery network. Basically, those are services, those are things you would typically have to pay for separately but it's included with the site speed accelerator. There's a free seven day trial. So I encourage you to check it out. And pe- again, people are concerned about using the DNS of some other third party. But basically, if you use a CDN, that is what you do. That That's like the thing that happens. If you use a CDN, you have to use another DNS and things are loading sort of outside of your normal registrar and your hosting account, but it helps your site load faster. So it's sort of implicit and I do it myself. So I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't worry about it too much. If you're using a CDN, then you're using other uh, servers to load your site. Anyway, this is a site speed accelerator. So you need to use caching in the CDN. Thus you have a much faster loading site. So there's no harm in checking out the free seven day trial. And thanks again to Ezoic. Hey, Christy, how's it going? We're going to get an update from you. And uh, how's the new year treating you? Hey, Doug. Pretty good. Got some big plans. So hopefully this year will go to plan. Awesome. Well, congratulations are in order. You hit a milestone recently in December of 2020. So we're just going to come right out with it. What was your uh, like highest income and what was the latest month of income here? So December, I was able to get to 5,000 for the month, which was a new milestone. My, I think my highest until that point was um, like 3,700, which was in November. So it was definitely a big uptick for holiday traffic. But I also think 
you know, some of my articles and things like that have just been baking longer now. Awesome. Well, and speaking of baking longer and the origin of your site, can you just tell us a little bit about that? When did you start it? How long did it take to reach, you know, say over a thousand bucks a month and some of those other milestones? Sure. I started the site almost exactly two years ago. A bit of a slow start, obviously, trying to get content up and running. So the first couple of months, you know, I was seeing incomes like $20, $100 total. But it was enough for me to say, okay, this still could work. So I hit uh, $1,000 for the first time in the summer of 2019. Hmm? Okay. And then over the next year, a lot of stuff happened. So mm-hmm. you obviously published a lot of content. Can you kind of kind of give us a overview of how much content is on the site and you know, a couple of the other things that you have going on with the site? Sure. I currently have about... 350 posts, give or take. Uh, Of those, you know, some are divided into other categories. Like I have some um, podcasting vlog type resources. So I don't really count those in the 350, but about 350 pieces of content for now. And then on the site to generate income as far as sources go, I do Amazon, of course. And I also do... Um, Mediavine for ads, which has been really nice. I really like them. I don't love how ads look on the site, obviously, but it is a good source of income and it's good to diversify. So have that. And those are my two big earners as well as a couple of smaller affiliate programs. Very cool. And what's the split between like Amazon and say Mediavine? Because those are the kind of lion's share, right? Um, They're almost 50-50. And then, of course, we all experienced the Amazon commission rate change in April. So, number one, when you got that email, what were you thinking? Were you really Displeased. annoyed? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was uh, pretty tone deaf for 2020. So, yeah. I guess I was more, I wasn't really worried for me. It is what it is. But just as a company, I thought it was a really poor decision and really poor timing to take money out of people's pockets. So, yeah. And luckily you had, uh, you know, a lot of other revenue coming in from Mediavine. You were already diversifying, which is uh, a good thing to do having those multiple income sources. So one thing, I don't want to jump ahead too much here, but I mean, you're looking to add some other uh, in income sources, right? So we are Correct. aiming to do a lot more. Can you kind of walk us through the uh, goals and kind of your ideas for 2021? Sure. I have big goals. So now that I've seen that the site can work and now that I've done it for two years and I still enjoy working on it, which is a big deal, I want to double it in 2021. So that's my blanket goal is I want double the traffic and or double the income. If I need double the traffic to get it, then fine. If I don't, great. Uh, But I do want to double the income. What that'll basically do, you know, from my life perspective is essentially replace the salary that I've been making at my other company, which I run for myself. 
So it's replacing my own salary. But um, that to me is a really good illustration. If I can hit that milestone of, you know, making what I make otherwise from the site, then that says to me, this is worth me working on full time. So 2021 is really the year of, I want to see if I can work on this pretty much full time and see if I can really just double it. So some of the things we want to get into this year, um, I haven't done before, which are like downloadable info products or courses of various sizes. That's all stuff that would be from scratch for me. And I know a lot of times I, I recommend to people, you know, just add more content, build more links, just keep on doing what you're doing. Were you, cause you came to me like, Hey, Doug, I want to work together on this stuff and I want to double my, my income basically. Did you think I was going to say, Hey, just keep doing the same thing. Or wh- what did you think I was going to say? I'm just curious. Yeah. So I would say until about late November, when I reached out to you, my game plan was literally just double the content. So if it's making this amount of money with this amount of content, double the content, double the money, a pretty simplistic approach, I guess you could say. So I had planned, you know, I'm willing to invest in my mind. It just did those numbers back and it was like, okay, well I can invest what it would cost to work with the group of writers I already have that I already trust who know my niche and double the content. So I'm willing to put that much money into the site. And then I thought, well, maybe I should just ask Doug (laughs) in case that's not the best way. I mean, I think it would still get it done, but maybe it's not the best way. So then I reached out and basically said, Hey, here's kind of what I'm thinking about. I could just throw a bunch of money at it but I also have a lot more time this year that I plan to spend on it. So is there a better way that I should be using that time that maybe isn't just throwing money at new content. And so we came up with quite a big list of other things I could be doing. (laughs) Well, luckily you're very smart and ambitious and you came up with a list and then you just brought it to me. So I I did very little, luckily. I know, but I was going to give you part of the credit. (laughs) Well, the the most important part is like pruning the list and that that's what I did. (laughs) Right. Right. So, and we're going to be tracking this over the next um, year, probably more Um, on a monthly basis. We'll get some updates from Christy. You're going to be blogging uh, for me at niche site project to help people follow along. But Um, you summarized it pretty well. We're going to take a different approach in that we're aiming for your own products to be sold, not, um, not trying to just double it, which I mean, technically, right. We literally just had one of our meetings earlier before we started recording. And I think you probably could double your revenue with the smaller amount of content that you're adding, but I think you have a big opportunity to add a lot more income and grow the brand a lot more because of the way you positioned yourself over the past couple of years. And yeah, I'm excited to see how it goes. Selling your own products really seems to be the way to go, whether it's physical products or digital products. You just have so much more control and you have the ability to 
you know, cut, cut out the other people right. that are, you know, taking a slice. So if you're working with Amazon, like they can continue to make the slice smaller. You have other affiliate programs. That's great. But right. the volume isn't as high. And if you can reach your customers directly, like that's the way to go. So. Well, and you were good about, you know, basically explaining that I don't need the types of conversion rates I have now. Like I don't need that amount of traffic to get the same amount of money necessarily, because, you know, obviously if I cut out a 1% commission instead of, you know, me making a hundred percent on something, even if it's 15 bucks, that's still a lot of clicks. I don't need to be sending somewhere else, you know, or maybe I could lower the ad density on my site. So the user experience is better. Like that all is things that I would like to do. I want people to enjoy being there. It's not just, how much money can I make off of it? Like I want it to be something that exists for 20, 30 years. So I'm willing to kind of put the time in this year and really see if I can build some of those longer term revenue sources that are going to help, but also be useful to people. So everyone should stay tuned for, you know, more updates in the future. Before we finish this up, I want to give people a little bit of a baseline of like what was going on in 2020. So do you have the total revenue brought in and maybe like the total traffic or average traffic per month, a little bit of that um, analytical data? Yeah. So for the year, um, I can say that, you know, towards the end, I was trending towards about 60,000 visitors a month. Um, Let me do a quick calculation here. So for the year, I had about 600,000 visitors. So for 2020 for the year. And then as far as income went, the site has made in two years about $50,000. And of that, uh, over 35,000 was from 2020. So growth-wise, I love where it's going. It's slow, steady growth which is kind of what I expected. I'm not really into the shortcut kind of stuff, but the fact that it made significantly more in its second year was a big deal. Okay, very good. And I'm going to pause just for a second. Were there any big things or interesting projects that you worked on in 2020? So 2020 for me was a lot of doing what was already working, right? So I kept adding content. I kept doing outreach link building, all that good stuff. Uh, There were two things that I did that were new for 2020, one of which was acquiring my first blog. So that was kind of a fun project. I actually acquired a small blog within my same niche and it was about 50 posts, I think, real small, Uh, not really SEO optimized, but bought some decent content and then decided to bring it over to my site, polish it up quite a bit, and then just give it time to bake. So that happened, which is cool. And I would actually think about making a few more small acquisitions in 2021. So I've got a list of target websites that I would think about reaching out to. And then the second thing that I did, which was new, was start a basically a diversity effort to make sure that our site was showing the diversity of our industry, give or take. Um, So I wanted to make sure that like our imagery 
was diverse, that our voices were diverse. Obviously, that was getting a lot of attention in 2020 and for good reason. And even though I just have a small niche site, I want to make sure we're doing the best of it that we can. I'm a white girl. I obviously am not the most diverse person that, you know, is going to be in pictures and is going to be writing. And I have my own backstory and that's what I can offer. But there's a whole lot more out there that we could be saying and showing. And I want to be doing that. So we started an outreach program that's really just a lot of manual outreach to people who are influencers, doing great work, spreading a lot of positive energy and and joy and hope in our niche. And we've been reaching out to them and asking them to, you know, share their voice on the site, share their imagery on the site. And I just love doing that. If it never, you know, adds to our income, I don't care. That's not what it's about. I want the site to be the best it can be. And so that's something we're going to keep doing uh, 2021 and beyond. Very cool. With the site acquisition, did you see any, you know, positive results right off the bat or did it work out how you expected? It did work out how I expected. I didn't plan on the content to be super SEO rich, right? This was from a site that wasn't making any money basically. So for me, it was more adding, you know, thousand, probably 30,000 words of content that gave me more space for ads. So that works even if it's not a huge SEO generator. And then working to slowly implement more FAQs into each of those posts. So it's really about content improvement, which is going to take a little while. So didn't see any major bumps, but didn't expect to either. That's not the kind of site I bought. Are you able to look at the analytics in a specific report for just those URLs so you can see the traffic that's coming in for those I'm sure URLs? I could. I haven't. I should. Yeah, let's work on that for the next yeah. update. I'd like to see that. Sure. So, all right, cool. And then any other interesting stuff, especially that diversity program sounds awesome. So any anything unexpected come up with that or are you still, you know, just well, trucking along? You know, it's been really cool to, to have a good reason to connect with some of the folks that are doing really nice, interesting things in our niche. So we've made a lot of connections that I think are going to be, you know, really fruitful for years. Uh, we got last week, someone to agree to do a video for us. Um, and he is, really big deal in our niche. So yeah, it's been really cool. It's super manual, right? So it's literally reaching out to people. There's no shortcuts for it, right? It's building the relationships and and doing all of that. But the return is that you get relationships with really cool people. And sometimes they help you out. And sometimes you can, you know, help more people find them. And it's good for everybody. That's awesome. Yeah, I think you know, you can't go out thinking this is going to work out perfectly and you're going to make those big connections and get something out of it right away. But, you know, you were working on it for several months before anything like this happened. Right. And it's taking quite a lot of time. Probably. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, it could be for years to come, you know, the relationships will pay Mm -hmm. off and we are talking about selling products and a piece of the puzzle will be like, 
using those relationships to, I mean, it'll be a win-win situation if we could set up like an affiliate relationship so people can sell your products. I mean, it helps them, it helps you obviously, and everybody wins. So. And there's, you know, there's, when I get into the nice to have versus the need to have projects for the year, some of the nice to haves are ways that I can sort of bundle up those conversations and their, you know, those influencers advice into maybe it's an ebook, maybe it's, you know, a physical product, but maybe it's some way that we can put something out into the world that really lifts up all of those voices. So that's on the wish list once I get some of these, you know, low hanging fruit things up and running for the year. Awesome. Well, I think that's it for me. Anything else you want to add before we sign off? I'm excited to uh, to keep coaching with you this year and share the results. It gives me a lot of accountability to get things done. I'm excited too. Looking forward to it and everybody look out for some updates. It should be pretty exciting to follow along with Christy and hear about her journey as it goes. In fact, I'm doing a lot in the way of case studies this year. I know those are very popular in general. I got started with affiliate marketing by following other people's case studies. In this case, I'm enlisting the help of other people. So Christy is going to be documenting this stuff over on Niche Site Project. I have Charlie as well. He was a guest, I guess, last summer in 2020, very popular interview, and he was documenting his stuff on YouTube. And I thought, well, if you're writing things out anyway, I know you want to document this stuff. So I asked Charlie to help out as well. And Gaurav, who was also a very popular interview from last summer, has reached uh, nearly 10K or over 10K in December of 2020. And that was in obviously a, a very difficult year to move the needle on growing sites. But the thing is, he started in something like March of 2020. So in a very short time frame, he's put in a ton of work, of course, but I've asked him to help document his journey or document his journey and help me out by publishing this stuff on Niche Site Project. So there's going to be several case studies out there. I maybe went a little overboard, but once I figured out that I didn't have to do everything myself and I could find situations that are mutually beneficial for various people, I was like, well, we can cover a lot of ground this way. I am doing one case study, although I am also getting help from uh, some other folks as well, but I'm growing a site that I haven't really done that much with. I bought the site at the very tail end of uh, 2019 and looking forward to see where that's going to go. I think just the sheer amount of work that is going to be put into my site, I mean, it should have good good results. I was able to grow the traffic and revenue pretty well considering the issues with uh, commission rate changes with Amazon and stuff like that. Revenue was still up by something like 73% if I remember the math right. Anyway, I'm going to be doing a bunch of case study documentation this year and hopefully kind of reviving the blog a little bit. I definitely neglected the blog over the past couple of years since I've been putting so much time in this podcast and into YouTube as well. A couple other things, speaking of YouTube, 
I started another channel. I wasn't sure if I was going to do that, but it's kind of a no pressure situation. I'm just going to publish a few things there. It is where I'm going to document different self-improvement projects and or challenges that I'm doing. The reason why is, well, I was doing dry January. My wife and I are in the early part, I guess the front third of dry January. We've been doing really well with it. And we're going to publish a video at the end of the month to sort of recap the whole thing. But at this point in time, I have at least published one update 10 days in, I think it was 10 days in, roughly a week in, and it's on another channel. There's a placeholder title. I think I called it Challenge Doug. Unoriginal, completely unoriginal. I have no gift for naming things. So I don't know what it's going to be called in the future, but essentially it is going to be where some of those self-improvement topics are going to live, potentially a little productivity. The thing I realized as I publish so much content on, at this point, my main channel on affiliate marketing, it's covering so many topics. It's really hard to publish a video where a lot of people are going to be into it, at least the way that I'm publishing content daily, which is essentially chopping up these long-form interviews into shorter bite-sized pieces and just having the clips available. So I realize there's some issues with that and there's been ups and downs with my channel over time and burnout periods and kind of a stagnation just because I'm not publishing content that's going to be bringing in a lot of like new subscribers. And that is totally fine. There's some natural growth that's happening, but I do see potentially like algorithmic issues with the way I'm publishing content, or maybe just my stuff is so boring right now that people aren't paying as much attention. Occasionally a video will blow up in a way that I didn't expect, but a lot of times it's just kind of status quo and I'm publishing content and it's kind of the usual suspects that seem to be viewing most of those videos, which is fine. I mean, we're all just trying to figure it out. And frankly, there's not as much pressure on me to, you know, grow the channel as much. It's fun because there's all those metrics available, but it's one of those things. And another thing that I've realized now that I'm sort of talking it through, (laughs) thinking out loud here, a lot of the questions and interactions that I see on the YouTube channel are the same boring questions that I've been answering for a few years. And I know they're brand new and fresh questions and interesting to the people that are asking them. But for me, it's like the same stuff that I've answered before. So it's not particularly interesting. And I'm in a luxurious position where if something's not interesting to me, a lot of times I'm just going to just move along. So there's People that are trying to get the information they're asking on YouTube, and I see all these comments for like, hey, I'm doing this. Do you think it's going to work? And it's not particularly interesting for me to tell someone, well, shit, I have no idea. I don't know who you are, but if you're doing something, that's probably a good thing. But is it going to work? I got no idea, man. I have no clue. I don't know you. I don't know if you're doing a good job. Judging from your comment here, you know, it doesn't look like you're really good at grammar. Of course, that's just me being a jerk, which I don't generally try to hide. I'm I'm pretty nice to the people that are around me, but anonymous internet comments on YouTube, 
it's easy for me to pick on people. They're not listening to this right now. The point is, if you want to check out that channel, it'll be awesome. I think currently right now, there are seven subscribers and I'm one of them. So I'm just going to really ease into it. Like I said, there's not going to be pressure, but I was working on the ideas for different challenges and things that I might want to try out this year. And my wife was like, I, I would get on board. I would do some of those as well. So as I took a step back and I see channels that do very well as far as like early growth and extended growth over the course of years, many times they're fairly tightly focused. I know I tried to brand like this specific podcast and my channel as just Doug. It's just my personal brand. I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about. But when I step back, I do see the value of having like a narrow focus in certain areas, especially for like the growth perspective. So I think I'm obviously kind of scattered because I'm like, ah, I don't have so much pressure on this side yet. I'm trying to add pressure and add some metrics and analytics and goals in the future. But the thing is, and I was I was telling Elizabeth, my wife, the other day, I'll probably start a couple new little projects this year where I don't know where it's going to lead. I have a suspicion that it will probably lead to more connections, different opportunities will pop up. Maybe not this year, maybe not even next year, but I think, say, if I start a new podcast in the personal finance area, talking about financial independence, maybe nothing is going to come of it for a little while. But I'm pretty sure I'm going to talk to some cool people. I'll expand my network and there will be opportunities in the future that I have no clue what they might be. If I'm putting myself out there, producing some sort of good content, producing something valuable to other people, opportunities are going to pop up. Let's get to the questions sponsored by Niche Website Builders, and they can do a few things for you. They have a content service. They actually have some cool other things, which uh, kind of on a limited basis, but they have expired domains that they'll build on top of, and these are very well vetted. These are good expired domains. They've had some excellent results. Adam and Mark have shared a few analytical, uh, I guess the analytics and graphs and, and shown me like what happens when you get an expired domain that's in the right niche and you put a whole lot of content on it. I have been using them for a shotgun skyscraper campaign since August. They've gotten me over 50 links at this point. It's a pretty amazing service. I'm using the budget service to test it out. And uh, at this point in time, I'm just going to keep on letting them run through, execute, publish more skyscraper articles on my site, and then reach out and get those links. So pretty remarkable as far as the number of links and the cost per link and the fact that they're able to get, I think the last time I checked, the average link, the domain rating from those websites is roughly uh, like 49 or so. So pretty high end and it's really made my domain rating jump. Now, the thing is, it's a brand new site, so I haven't seen the traffic follow. It's still in the sandbox, and it's a fairly competitive niche. So with that said, uh, do check out Niche Website Builders. They make the show possible, and 
even if you're not in the market to buy something from them yet, you can still follow the link, hop over there, let them know that you appreciate that uh, they're working with me, help bring you this show. So let's get to some of these questions. So this one is from Chris. Hi, Doug. I enjoy your videos and I have a site and I wonder if the niche is too competitive. I've spent $5,000 on it and it brings in $100 per month, which doesn't cover the cost of running it. I was told that I need to bring the content up to 100 articles. There are 25 articles at the moment to see a significant change in earnings and traffic. There are 3,000 visitors per month at the moment. I was also told that the site is only worth about 2,500. So I'm feeling demoralized because I spent another five, because if I spend another 5,000 on it, is there going to be a possibility that I'm wasting time and money? He tells me the niche and asks for some advice. So Chris, excellent question. So number one, you're actually doing really good, man. So you spent 5,000 already and you're making $100 per month. I don't know what you're spending each month, but it sounds like probably those costs are associated with adding more content and doing things. Typically, it doesn't cost very much to actually, you know, quote, run the website. So yeah, the site is probably worth something like $2,500 to $3,500. You're making $100 per month with only 25 articles. That's pretty cool. That's roughly the amount that the site that I purchased was making by the uh, it was 150 per month like the site that I bought was making 150 per month I bought it for about 4000 to give you you know some context around that I w- improved the site added a few pieces of content and I was able to increase the earnings by a significant amount so my hunch is you're moving in the right direction Perhaps there needs to be some optimization done. Maybe content can be improved. You can add a little bit more content to each one of the 25 articles, potentially bringing in a little more traffic to each one of those, and you can add more content. Sure, if you 4X the amount of contact and you know you said you had 25, you're aiming for 100, if you, if you put in that much more, there's a good chance you're going to earn more. You didn't mention how old the site is, which if it's on the younger end, you may see more growth after you reach six months or a year. Now, like I said, the fact is you're actually doing pretty good. So if you can sell the site um, and make 3,000 bucks, yeah, you've invested uh, 5,000. So if you just look at it like that, you're you have a negative ROI, right? You've, you've lost money in this situation. But the fact is, you have a growing asset. So you're moving in the right direction. Um, it has been a little while since you sent the question in. This came in uh, through a sort of a sideways channel, through the YouTube channel. But the, the point is, I think you're doing pretty good. So I would love to get an update. I'll send an email out to you, Chris, and point you towards this episode, of course. And then I'll also uh, be interested to hear how the site is doing. Now, um, you mentioned the name of the domain here, which is pretty cool. I think that is a a great name, very brandable. So well done on that. I think um, a lot of people are kind of in that situation where you're making a certain amount 
and you've spent perhaps more than you planned or more than you expected, you don't know if it's worth it to put more money and revenue into it. And a lot of the case studies and people that I've interviewed in the last six, eight months or so, it's very interesting because they have the faith for whatever reason that they're going to put in, you know, $10,000, tens of thousands of dollars over the course of a, several months or a year. And they will put in the time and the effort and the capital, not knowing if it's going to work. That is kind of a key thing that you have to do. And even if you don't put the money into it, I expect that you're hiring writers, Chris. If you don't hire the writers and you wrote it yourself, sure, the expenses would be low from a monetary standpoint, but it would take up so much of your time, which depending on what you have going on, could be even more valuable than the $5,000. So there's no, there's no free rides, but it's very interesting. I mean, starting one of these sites or starting a YouTube channel or a podcast or writing a book or writing a play or doing some artistic endeavor, you don't know how it's going to pan out. So it's really important, hopefully, that you get some kind of joy from doing the work and doing the stuff. I'll hopefully come back uh, in a future episode with an update from Chris after I shoot him an email and find out what's going on with his site. Next question is from Matthew. What's your opinion on writing product review articles that have a low volume? like about 100 searches per month. There's practically no competition and they rank on the first page almost immediately. I imagine they will make money, but if it costs $25 per article, it's going to take a while to make a ROI, isn't it? Matthew, interesting question. Basically, I like to go after low search volume, practically no competition and rank really quickly. That's fantastic. The thing is, most likely, over the course of time, you will make the $25 back. So I don't think you have to worry about that. It depends on a variety of factors like how expensive the products are. These are product reviews. Potentially, you might have display ads, maybe from Ezoic, or maybe you run AdSense, or maybe you have ad deals specifically with companies and they pay you directly. So there's a lot of ways that you can make money di like directly from those articles. But let me maybe shed some light on another thing, another benefit that may come up. If you are publishing content that is ranking well, that is a, kind of a positive sign to Google. Like if you have good visitor metrics, it's ranking well. People go to your site. They have good interactions. They're spending time there. They're finding their answer. Your searcher intent uh, matches up really well with your content. If that is the case, there's a strong chance you're going to get more benefits than just the positive ROI from a monetary standpoint on that article. There's a good chance other content on your site is going to rank better. You also have the opportunity to internally link your content Maybe you could put together some, you know, a nice silo, a nice content cluster where you can build topical relevance on those certain topics. So I don't think this is a uh, like isolated article. Hey, is it worth it? Not that many people search for it. It costs you $25 an article. Yeah, it's good to take all those things into account, but I think you're missing out on just positive SEO 
energy <laughs> to be kind of woo-woo and uh, get away from uh, sort of facts and stuff like that. Basically, if Google is ranking more of your content, that's a good thing. Take that. Do it. Do it every time. So even if it's like an informational article, do that. There's some sites that are based on just informational articles and they run display ads. So I would encourage you, if you've found an area like this where there's a lot of content, a lot of keywords available where you can rank quickly, there's not much competition, go for it. Publish a shitload of content on those areas and I think it's going to pan out. Second question from Matthew, I see a lot of sites in my niche offering US-based products but ranking in the UK. What's my opinion on ranking both a UK version of an article with UK products and a US version with US-based products? So I haven't done that specifically. I think it could be interesting to test out. Sometimes there's going to be niches where the vocabulary is completely different and, you know, different names of products. I am drawing a blank for some of those, but I think you have an opportunity to target maybe slightly different keywords. And a lot of the content could be common between the US and UK versions. Frankly, right, people are going to be interested in the same features. They're going to be interested in the same sort of things you have to think about when you're buying one of those products. So there could be some common content, I would write it uniquely. You may have the opportunity to include the UK version in a section on the main article or vice versa, right? I'm, I'm in the US, so everything is like American-centric for me. So maybe it's a UK article and you have a section that says, what if you're in the US? Here are some of the products available. So the point is you may be able to combine some of the keywords, some of the topics all in one article because there's some of the same points, some of the same framework, and generally you'd follow the same template. So if you can combine the content and it makes sense to do so, I think that's a good move. Robert has a question. I know that I need a privacy policy and ideally a terms and conditions page but I do not know how to create one. I don't have the money for an attorney, but how do you suggest getting started? Can I just copy one? So I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> this is a bad thing to say, considering you say, I don't have money for an attorney. So I'll tell you, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but consult a lawyer to make sure you have all the legal stuff covered. But Here's the deal. When I first started, I literally did what you said. I went to a site and I checked out their privacy policy, their terms of service, that sort of thing, and basically copied and pasted it over. I put in my site name in place of that person's site name. And I, I read the whole thing and tried to understand what it meant. Maybe there were a couple things on there that didn't apply. Maybe there's something about like display ads or something. And I removed the portions that clearly didn't apply. If I wasn't quite sure, I left it in. After some other, uh, you know, policies changed over the years and I was making more money and I realized, oh, it's probably a good idea for me to have like a real actual privacy policy in terms of service that apply to my site. I went to, I think it's like a, 
I'll have to look it up in a second, but it's one of those websites that will create those for you. So I went in, put in all the specifics. There's a very quick set of questions that you answer. I think it took me five minutes or so, and it will generate a privacy policy or a terms of service for you. And then it'll spit it out. I think I paid a hundred or $150 and I at least was a little more assured that it was a official kind of uh, you know, privacy policy. The thing is, as you can imagine, they simply based it on a template. So when you peel back the layers here and you look at what the company charged me $100 for, it literally was a copy and paste kind of thing where they just did a survey, I answered the questions, and then they threw in the details from my website. They included the sections that applied and they removed the ones that didn't. So essentially that is kind of just copying one. But as I said before, consultant attorney, your law professional, blah, blah, blah. The other thing I'll add in here is I think they're fucking generic. I think they're pretty fucking generic because um, I paid, you know, $100 and literally they just asked me those questions, put in the specifics, and then I had my privacy policy. I was acquainted with a lawyer who works online. Um, she had lots of different templates that were available. And, I, you know, I just, lawyers, uh, you know, people, some people hate them. I'm friends with like, you know, several people that I know with law degrees and, you know, people are fine on a personal basis and I don't want to step on any toes here, but she definitely felt like, you know, the privacy policy and or terms of service that she would be able to provide, which, I mean, she was selling these, right? So she sort of implied that it's crazy to just go to a cookie cutter kind of site or to copy one or anything like that. And there's real value in working with a lawyer and getting their specific template. The other thing that I found amusing is they would fight on like the copyright of those terms of service per my understanding where, you know, if someone just like sort of copied the terms of service from her website, that that would be violating uh, some copyright in some capacity, maybe the phrasing, those sort of things. So when you peel it back, it's like, yeah, like literally these are just copied from all over and I'm not a lawyer. I try to keep my nose clean and all that stuff, but that was just a mini rant. I think you could probably do your best to put one together based on looking at a website. If you have a little bit of money, like a hundred bucks, I think you could probably go to, uh, let me, let me look it up real quick. I'll just pause briefly. Right. It's called Terms Feed and the tagline is Trusted Legal Agreements. And it looks like they have privacy policies. They got the EULA, uh, return, refunds, terms of use, terms of service, blah, 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 cookie policy, all, all the business, right? All the, all the things you might be interested in. So you can check it out. They do have some free tools. I'm not associated with them at all. I should see if they have a, an affiliate program or something, but basically they got me what I needed in a short time frame Cause I kind of freaked out when, um, some of the cookie and privacy policy and all the other nonsense, uh, was coming out. So I, I was like, I just need an answer quick. I created those, terms of service and privacy policy paid for at once. And then I actually um, 
you know, cherry pick certain pieces that applied for other websites. So hopefully that's okay to do because that's what I did. If you have questions and you want to be featured in the niche website builders Q&A segment, shoot me an email, feedback at doug.show. I usually put in almost all the questions that I get. You know, I need a few of them to fill the time. I got to have segments in here. So if you have any questions at all, something specific, if you send me like a long, detailed, like bullet point list, you're like, hey, this is what's going on. Sometimes those turn into whole episodes, which is kind of cool. Now I'm going to start just telling you about some things that are going on. I received a call not too long ago from the car repair shop, the auto shop. I brought my truck, my 2005 F-150 in for some work. It's uh, interesting because I used to put a lot of miles on it back when I had a corporate gig and I was driving around Atlanta. I think at one point in time, I was driving from like the Midtown, Edgewood, Little Five Points area, all the way up to Alpharetta, which is something like 30 miles or so. It was a horrendous drive. And at that point, you know, I'm putting 60 miles a day on the car. I was having to fill up every uh, like day or not every day, but every day and a half or three days, something like that. I can't remember. It was often, it was more than once a week. I had to get gas. And we moved to Montana. I worked from home and I didn't have to drive much. So there's been several years where I've only put maybe 2,000 miles on the, on the truck. And I honestly have neglected it a little bit as far as a maintenance standpoint. So right now there's 131,000 miles on it or so. And I think I got a pretty decent tune-up around 100,000 miles where there's a decent amount of work that needs to be done. Well, because I wasn't driving it very much and I wasn't driving it very far most of the time, I haven't been keeping up to date on some things. I'm really, it's funny, I'm pretty diligent about certain things and then I have neglected my truck and I feel bad. So there's a laundry list of things where I think they probably were done and then I'm not sure. The other part is it's been a few years since I've had like major work in that, you know, five uh, or the 100,000 mile tune-up was probably, you know, five plus years ago. So right now it's in the shop. It's getting, you know, a tune-up. They called to let me know that, uh, one of the head gaskets was leaking. So it was, I guess, a poor design back in the day. And they've you know, now replaced that specific gasket with a better material. And essentially what was happening is that some of the coolant was getting into the cylinders, which is bad, right? So that's obviously bad. I'm getting um, transmission fluid, brake fluid, getting the coolant done. So the full shebang, and unfortunately, that gasket was going bad, which is a known issue, apparently, and Ford changed the design. So I'm looking forward to getting the truck back uh, tomorrow. There's enough work to be done where they're going to have to keep it for a little longer. But the point is, I'm keeping the truck for a little while. I enjoy the truck. It's paid for. It's been paid for for a pretty long time. And I actually did a podcast episode where if you, uh, you know, do the math and you, you're a little generous with a couple things. So instead of buying a new car and potentially having like car payments, 
if I invest that money instead and just, you know, keep my old truck, my old beater, it's all scratched up and, you know, little, little things are wrong here and there, but it's worth a lot of money. And at the time that I recorded that episode, I think I claimed that my truck was worth, you know, $55,000. There's a good chance it's uh, probably in the six figure range now, just from the market performance. And if I actually plugged in real numbers, the fact that I've kept my truck for a very long time is powerful. Compound interest, very powerful. So I think uh, it'll be it'll be nice to get the truck all in working order. I imagine it will probably run better. There's so much work that's being done. I'm embarrassed to even share uh, the fact that I like wasn't bringing it in for the the regular work that should be done. And the fact is, I just wasn't putting many miles on it. So it was never like top of mind. So happy to get it done. Kind of sucks. It's going to cost like 2,300 bucks all said and done. I'm sure some people are going to email me and say, dude, that's way too much for that kind of work. But I'm not sure what else I'm going to do. For the last little random tidbit, I got a new camera lens. I think I've probably talked about my little gear obsession with uh, photography and cameras and all that stuff. And I have been interested in cameras since I was a, I think, kid, teenager time frame. My mom always had a, uh, you know, cameras and tried to take a lot of pictures and stuff like that. The classic, like trying to get the family together and we're like, no mom, we don't want to, you know, get those pictures, like stop making us smile. And, you know, we probably kicked and screamed a lot, but Anyway, I think I got that sort of love for cameras and gear and stuff like that from my mom. So I recently got an old, pretty old lens. So it's a Canon 300 millimeter F4. So for the people that are camera geeks, you may think, oh, does it have the image stabilization, which is something like a, you know, lens that came out in like 97 or so, and they've had a couple iterations of it. So it's not the one with image stabilization. This is like the classic from the 90s. So this lens is probably, you know, it could be from 91. So we're talking, is that 30 years? So potentially a, you know, 25, 30 year old lens and it looks it, it's pretty beat up. Traditionally, it's a sports lens or wildlife And I think it was mostly used for sports. The person I bought it from, from uh, Craigslist, works for the Colorado or University of Colorado CU newspaper. And I guess they were getting rid and purging a lot of their old gear. And this dude, I think I've seen him on Craigslist before, like listing some items. And maybe I emailed him once or twice to uh, see if I could haggle with him a little bit. And for the last couple of years, I've kind of had my eye on a longer lens. So the most telephoto, the biggest lens that I had up to that point or up to this point was an 18 to 135 zoom. It's a good lens. It has image stabilization and I enjoy using it and it goes out to 135. So pretty good travel lens. And that's primarily what I used it for. The thing is, I've spent time in Yellowstone and the Tetons and just kind of out and about. And I was like, man, it sure would be nice to have like a bigger lens. 
not too long ago, I started going to St. Varane State Park, which has a couple eagles that nest there, or at least very close by. There's very often eagles and hawk, hawks and os- ospreys and all, all sorts of uh, waterfowl over there. Oh, those, I guess those are raptors, but there's other you know water birds, ducks, pelicans, whatnot. My wife and I decided we were going to go to this other state park called Bar Lake. So people, you can look this up if you went to Bar Lake in Colorado. It's a state park out here, and it's a place where bald eagles migrate to in the winter. So it gets too cold up north, and they'll fly down from Alaska, Canada, you know, I expect other other spots. And they'll fly down, and they winter at this lake. So it's mostly frozen over. There's, you know, a portion of it that is, uh, you know, not frozen, but we went there last year and there were something like, you know, we saw like 50 different eagles or so where we're from in Georgia, the suburban Atlanta area. There's a lot of hawks. There's a bunch of crows. There's some other, you know, smaller songbirds and that sort of thing. But as far as I know, there were no bald eagles around. I think potentially there were some around lakes or something like that. Maybe if you head out towards the coast, of course, several hours away, maybe there were a few eagles. But generally, you know, I I don't recall seeing a bald eagle in the wild until I was, you know, out west, basically. So to see, you know, dozens of them out there, absolutely amazing, super cool. And I was thinking, uh, you know what, I'm going to hop on Craigslist. I'm going to look. I think I remember seeing a couple old, less expensive lenses. When you're talking about a big telephoto lens like that, if you're buying it brand new, you know, it's over $1,000. Some of the more premium lenses are going to be closer to 2000 And that's just a huge amount of money for essentially, you know, like a side little hobby. So I hopped on, saw this pretty old lens. I thought it was one with image stabilization, a little bit more modern, and it was listed for about 400 bucks. And I was thinking, ah, you know, I could see myself using this quite a bit. We're heading out to check out Eagles, and I think I could get some pretty amazing shots. I think it's a, a pretty nice lens, and I could do some interesting things with it as well. So anyway, emailed the dude a couple times. We, after a little bit of haggling, we came to an agreement. So I went down there, tested it out, Met him at a, like a restaurant. We were very, I mean, we didn't go into the restaurant. We went, we went in the parking lot so I could test out the lens. And yeah, it worked pretty amazing for such an old lens. The autofocus is super sharp. And one cool thing is it uh, really blurs the background more than I expected for the specs of the lens. I've never had a, you know, a 200 or a 300 or anything larger so I was pretty surprised in some of the shots that I've taken so far. I didn't get any good eagles shots, by the way. None of the eagles were close enough. And the couple that were close, we saw while we were in the car. So by the time I got out, those eagles were gone. So the best shot that I have is of a squirrel. <laughs> it was a pretty great shot. It was hanging out in a tree as squirrels do. And I actually have a few good shots of a, I think it's a sharp shinned hawk. I'm not a birder myself, but 
someone told me that it was a sharp shin hawk. Pretty cool looking bird and it was just chilling out there. So there's actually a few birds that I see on a pretty regular basis, probably like a couple times a week. There's a, a heron that's pretty close by, often hangs out in the creek. Georgie and I see it on our morning walks and there's a few other, um, you know, cool birds. I, I, I can't remember, uh, what do they call it? A uh, kingfisher. There's been a kingfisher I've been seeing here lately, which looks like a, I don't know. It, it, it's sort of like a short blue jay. So it's like a, a corgi style bird. The people out there that know birds probably think I'm insane, but I'm looking forward to getting this lens out there. And I actually had a thought. I don't know if it's uh, something I'll pursue, but I was like, I have a couple of shots that are pretty decent. And I mean, I have art on my walls here and I was like, oh, I wonder if there are listeners or, you know, people that watch the YouTube videos that would like buy my photography kind of a sideways uh, way to get in photography where it's just a, a little hobby, but I think I have some pretty cool shots. I have, you know, some bison from Yellowstone. I have some geyser stuff, hot springs, a few eagles, a couple bear shots as well. So I have a few things. And I think if I actually like went out to St. Ferrain a few times a week, there's some of the eagles that hang out there, like very, very close by. I can get some pretty amazing shots. We'll see. I'm probably talking myself up a little too much here, but I love the camera gear and it's pretty fun if I could actually produce something that other people would appreciate too. So I think that's it for today. Looking forward to you know getting more updates from Christy. I have a great interview that I did earlier today. It's going to be coming out soon with Garav, who has published a ton of content on his site in 2020 and he actually reached 10k per month in less than a year absolutely amazing great story i mean garav is a smart dude he's also going to be sharing uh, some pretty interesting tidbits and we'll be able to follow along over on niche site project with his case study and really a portfolio of sites that he's running at this point so have a great day out there we'll catch you on the next episode